0: Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round three recap for this week's Valero, Texas Open. And joining me to break it all down, it's Mark Immelman. Mark, that looks like another hotel room to me. How are you?
1: It is it's very intimate in this place. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, there, there wasn't a desk for some reason in this place. So we we sort of perched on a little thing that's almost a bedside table, and it's it's precarious. If the whole lot goes tumbling, you know why? Okay. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, we appreciate you going through that, getting everything set up, so we can talk for a few minutes about the Valero Texas Open. But before we do that, golf was played. Mark at mm-hmm. Augusta National today. The women's amateur concludes with Subasa Kanji. Connie winning the second annual Augusta national women's amateur. I mean, this thing was coming down the stretch mark. I think at one point there were six or seven golfers who were uh, tied for the lead or with, or or within a shot. It was just plenty of drama uh, down there in Georgia in the last day.
1: You know, it certainly was, uh, and I've got two sort of main takeaways. And the first one is that for the second in as many years, I've been absolutely glued to the show. I mean, uh, edition number one uh, with with Jennifer Cup Show and Maria Fassi, I mean, I couldn't take my eyes off those two as they were coming down the stretch there. And then today, I just loved the way the golf course began to play because it got my mind spinning about what this place is going to be like Thursday Mm -hmm. through Sunday Mm -hmm. for the Masters proper. And then you've got uh, Rose Zhang, who's been playing awesome for a while, and 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 you got the the young um, Swedish girl who was in the Erica, I think it was Lynn Blatt. I can't remember her first name. She was in the final group there, and and, and it was ebb and flow, and sort of all sorts of buzz around the golf course. There were lots of people out there, which was cool to see. And and then you know, for guys to for for girls, I should say, to post, and then have those numbers hold up. That's always fun. I, I think the playoff. In many respects was perhaps if you're a fan like me a little bit of a letdown but it spoke to you you know the way um uh, erica uh, the the one playoff member Amelia, uh, i should say migliaccio um you, you could see the nerves on all of them and she sort of showed it yeah. some of that approach shots and then she's got a difficult shot of an uphill live or a bunker and 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 so when these sort of things begin to transpire and it's happening on national international television you can see how meaningful this stuff is. And so for me, it was like, wow, just the second edition of the Augusta National Women's Amateur, and already this thing's a fixture. Um, because you could just see the meaning of it all. It was etched over the player's face. And and then to have a young Japanese 17-year-old star, I mean, she she is about to be a folk hero in Japan after the win here.
0: <laughs> yeah, she played awesome. And I, and I certainly don't blame Amelia for fanning her approach shot out on 18. I would not have been able to even grip a club mm-hmm. in that moment, Mark, with all of the nerves and everything that is on the line. But we're going to talk about the Masters plenty. Let's talk about the third round of the Valero Texas Open where it is Jordan Speeth atop the leaderboard in a tie with Matt Wallace. Let's, let's start with Spieth here, Mark, because he shoots a 5-under 67 but made the turn in even par before notching birdies at 12, 14, 15, 17, and 18 to share the 54-hole lead.
1: Can you call it speething? Uh, the, you know, what yeah. he was doing, speed thing is where you hit it all over the lot and you make birdies. I mean, the way he played coming down the back nine, you could see that with the swagger about him, it, it was the usual thing where he's chatting non nonstop and Michael Greller is like, yeah, this is your number go. And then I think the whole thing was told by the interaction there on the 17th when he blows one way right. You know, it takes a really smart drop, I think, in the end and hits, for me, the shot of the tournament thus far, that second shot up, and i mean, off a tight lie to land the thing on a downhill, and uh, he asked Michael twice to check a yardage over there, and Gorilla's like, okay. and <laughs> <Yeah>, He just <didn't. laughs> <walks the> lets <laughs> the thing off again, and, and and that's just who they are, and then, you know, he backs that up with just an unreal um, fairway medal into the middle of the final green, and that's not an easy shot, I've got to tell you. And so, um, Jordan's doing Jordan things, and you know, speaking to a guy who picked him in one and done this week, and from my mouth who said in a last in the last podcast I was on that I have a feeling about Jordan this week, but I still didn't pick him. I I I, I don't know where I've left my brain over the last few <laughs> events. I really don't. Um, because he's looking all of the part. You know, when he hits it in play off the tee, he can take advantage, and when he doesn't, he makes saves. And that's how Jordan Speed plays.
0: Yeah, speeding it was exactly what he did on his inward nine. That was a 31, but he's tied with Matt Wallace, Mark, who also shot a Saturday 67. And I think his approach into 18 uh, is really you know a a perfect synopsis of him not going away in this right i mean he hits an approach shot uh, from 284 yards right into to the heart of the green uh, has a look at eagle and while we saw the third member of that group cameron tringale really leak oil and struggle over the course of the day matt wallace said i'm here to stay i'm going Mm -hmm. to be
1: a fixture in this tournament for the last 18 holes yeah but you got to give cam tringale a nod for that you know when he knocked in the birdie putt yeah, on the seventh with yeah. the, the shooter McGavin thing, I thought that was legendary. Um, but but Wallace, I mean, he's won multiple times in the European Tour. He, he was the Conference Player of the Year the one year he was in college over here at Jacksonville State, and so the guy's got some pedigree, and and he's got that sort of European stick to about him. And um, a quick story about Matt Wallace that for me was telling because um, I've gotten to know him some from his time on the tour and. And at Colonial last year, um, he had missed the cut. This was the first event back after the, uh, the, the, the the COVID lockdown. So he misses the cut, and I've got the McElroy group on Sun uh, Saturday for CBS. And so we're getting ready for the show, and I'm out there about 30 minutes, 45 minutes before the time. And I look over there in the gallery. Well, there wasn't a gallery then, but there's Matt Wallace and his caddy, Irish Dave, who's a legendary caddy on the European tour. <laughs> He's not working for him anymore. Irish Dave.
0: Well, like, real quick, Mark. Why, why does every caddy have a nickname? Why, every single caddy has a nickname.
1: That's a thing. Um, Irish Dave is a beauty. And, and he's worked for everybody, okay? And and they're out there watching Rory play. And I'm waiting in the shade for the show to start. And Matt eases over and leans on the cart. And so we're chatting. And I'm like, uh, why are you out here? And he goes, well, two things. Uh, Rory McIlroy's leg action I'm trying to emulate. And he goes... And when you get to watch the best player in the world play under competition uh, and under pressure, there's so much to be learned. And I looked at this going, hmm, this guy's a multiple winner and still prepared to learn and still prepared to keep his mind open enough to, to, to be able to walk around the golf course and go and watch a fellow professional play. And I was like, hmm, he went up in my estimation. So I spoke to him. I'm like, hey, big guy, would you come on my podcast? And he's like, sure, I'd love to. And, and he's just – so insightful, so candid. Um, he's He's got a bit of a hot temper, like a lot of the Euros do. Mm-hmm. He's got some of that Tyrell Hatton thing in him. Yeah. But, but you're right, he's not going away. And he's a heck of a swinger of the golf club. He hits it flush. And if it's windy t- again tomorrow, I think that'll stand him in good stead. And just incidentally, I'm, <laughs> I'm a Spieth fan. Uh, I'm, I'm a Charlie Hoffman fan. I definitely am. But I'm so pulling for Matt Wallace tomorrow, I cannot tell you given that you and Porter have both got uh, Hoffman and Spieth in the one and done league.
0: That's right. You're going to be dodging bullets all Sunday long. I love it. I love it when players become fans. And I also love the little tidbit that like, okay, uh, Jacksonville state, not, not Jacksonville, Florida, Jacksonville, Alabama, Mark. That's like the little fun, fun fact about Jacksonville state.
1: Well, well, yeah, quickly. I mean, uh, another player who's went there was Danny Willett for a couple of years and Willett was a first team all America at a mid, tier division one school then left there uh, made the walker cup team the gbni team and then obviously turned professional one and then won a major so so there's uh you know there's there's something going on in the water there in north alabama uh, and they've had some good teams for for, for many many years
0: well, let's talk about Charlie Hoffman because it's Valero Texas Open. It's Charlie Hoffman's season, and after an opening 75 on Thursday, Charlie Hoffman shoots a 66 on Friday, the round of the day, and backs it up with a 65 on Saturday. Oh, by the way, the round of the day, Mark. That'll get you right back into a tournament in a hurry.
1: Oh, certainly. And you and I and were a week early on Charlie Hoffman because I, I he had been playing really well. I think the work he had been doing with uh, Mark Blackburn to me it looked like it settled. So I figured, well, he has a ball striker of note down in uh, in, in Corrales Punta Cana. It's going to be right up his alley, and he plays solidly down there. Has a bad final day, but obviously you can see the makings of it. Then you bring a guy to a place where he's played well before, and and all of a sudden things start to line up, and and it's amazing to me that horses for courses thing, you know, where there's that element of comfortability about a player where lines fit your eye and, and and the reeds on the greens come easily and, and, and where holes sort of shape your fit your shape. Uh, and, and it lends itself a lot to ball-striking success. And then you make a few putts, and, man, did he hold a few putts on the back nine today. Yeah, well, it's a recipe for good rounds, and all of a sudden he finds himself in a place where he's very comfortable. Speaking of
0: Horses for Courses, Charlie Hoffman is a thoroughbred at TPC San Antonio. Since 2006, he leads all players in top five finishes. He's got four of those. Top 10 finishes, he's got six of those. And top twenty he's got 11 of those. Mark, I think we should probably just be doing the same thing we do with Webb at Windham and Rory at Eastlake. We should just be penciling him in right here every single year.
1: <laughs> I have lost my mind. I, I have. I, I'm actually going to check myself in, Rick. I'm a little concerned about my one-and-done selections over the last few weeks. (laughs) Uh,
0: All right, we're going to look ahead to our final round on Sunday and talk about who we think can take this thing down. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners.
2: Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky
0: And we're back. All right, Mark, I'm going to ask you to uh, put aside your rooting interest. We know you are dodging uh, Jordan Spieth, dodging Charlie Hoffman on Sunday, but it is Wallace and it is Spieth at the top. And they're two shots clear of Hoffman, who is then two shots clear of Cameron Tringale. So I think it's safe to say and oddsmakers would agree that the winner is probably coming out of either Matt Wallace, Jordan Spieth or Charlie Hoffman. Would you agree with that sentiment?
1: um i would although in years past when i used to call this event for a pga to a radio there was always a player who made a run the, the the advanced staff set the course up so it's gettable and then typically around this place the winds kick up a bit more in the afternoon so if you're out early you have a bit of an advantage and if you get going the way the greens um they, they, where they designed, you can fit balls into certain hole locations and use slopes and such. So you'll fi- you'll 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 see a player down the the field. there sort of fire around, like Martin Laird a few years ago fired sixty three, and that was enough to hold off Rory McIlroy. Um, so I feel like there'll be some sort of a round shot in the morning, and and something will be posted that the players will have to beat. But this is what I know for certain. I've been beating the drum since you know when was it Sunday night last week. Jordan's playing well, um, he's making putts when it means something, and he's got the Texas crowd behind him. So so it, to me, you've got to stay in front of Jordan Spieth if you want to win this thing. And if Matt okay. Wallace wants to win, he knows this. So, so, so right now I'm saying, look, there's a target on Spieth's back. The only person that can beat Jordan right now to me is Jordan Spieth. And if okay. he doesn't, I feel like he picks up his first victory in a while.
0: Jordan Spieth even money over at William Hill if we add Cameron Tringale into that group of three that we mentioned they're the only golfers 40 to one or shorter or shorter than 40 to one excuse me so uh, William Hill has drawn a line in the sand that the winner is coming from those groups I like the idea of Matt Wallace and Jordan Spieth playing in the final group together Mark because Wallace is going to be able to know exactly what Jordan Spieth's up to obviously there's going to be plenty of pressure as there is on any Sunday on the PGA Tour but you. I think you're right. The expectation is Jordan Spieth wins this golf tournament and he heads into Augusta on cloud nine. Uh, Matt, Matt Wallace is certainly going to do his best to play spoiler on Sunday.
1: Yeah, the, the, the key for all of them, uh, but especially for Spieth, who's dodging a little bit of an errant driver like he normally does, is you've just got to avoid the double bogey ball off the tee. Um, you, he doesn't have to gain strokes off the tee. And now I'm sounding like Kyle, forgive me. Um, he, he's got to put the ball in play and then allow his iron game and his wedges and his putter, which are his strengths, to, to, to sort of do the trick. And there's going to be a bunch of count, uh, sort of punch and counter punch going on I think, early in the round, because the front nine, uh, it's certainly the harder of the two, and there are fewer birdie opportunities. So you'll see sort of ebbing and flowing and and, and dodging of bullets or, or over the first uh, two-and-a-half, three hours of play, but then you're going to start to see it get a bit excit- exciting, and folks will be ex- get excited, excitable late in the round, and you've got holes like... 14, certainly. And then 15 is a hard four and 16. You can make a birdie on that three and 17, 18, of course. And, and I think it's going to come down to one of those, in you know, those final few holes.
0: I certainly feel the same way. And and finally, Mark Jordan Spieth, 18 holes away from ending the streak. We all know no victory since the 2017 Open Championship. If he pulls it off the week before the Masters, are we going to be able to resuscitate Kyle Porter? I mean, what, how is this going to work? Like, are we going to be able to get in contact with him? Will anybody have eyes on him? Is he going to be have a a wellness check? What's going to happen here?
1: Well, uh, I think he's arriving in Augusta now, so he's got to have his COVID test. So we'll know about that. At least that'll be clear. But but, but I I think we can handle Kyle with Jordan winning in Texas. I think if Jordan wins in Augusta, Georgia, then it might be the end. I really do. And then, then we'll have to send out a search party. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right, well, you're you're the closest, so you'll have to lead that search party if it happens. Uh, but for now, we're going to put a pin in the Valero Texas Open. We've got 18 holes to go. We'll figure out how this all shakes out over the course of Sunday. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob doing all the hard work behind the scenes. And let me thank Mark Immelman, who you can find on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.